0: Scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 17. We're going to read verses 14 through 20. At the foot of the mountain a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt down before Jesus and said, "Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him." Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and, he let it, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. After the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you even had faith, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move nothing would be impossible with god this is the gospel of christ
1: how are we everyone yeah i think i forgot how to do this honestly i haven't had to talk for this long in a while if i get tired in 5 minutes i'll just quit and we'll all be happy how about that You're Like, like oh, we're done we got what we wanted um hey so nice to see you guys moved on so fast I mean only been gone a month just I know I left but you know you could have dragged it out a little bit <laughs> moved on so fast to Chris um no I was uh, man I was upset that I was not here last week I told Lindsay I go hey when you introduce him I want to be there. And she goes, okay. And she goes, hey, we're doing it the week before you're coming here. And I was like, if I come down there two weeks in a row, my wife will just divorce me. Um, She's not down for that life anymore at all. Um, But I just want to say that you guys got a good one. Um, I was looking back through my messages, and um, October 13th, our young adult group was transitioning. um, Daniel was stepping out, and we had a group of leaders coming in. And I remember going out to eat. Uh, with uh, Nathan and Chris. And I didn't know Chris that much, um, but I'm sitting there listening to him and I'm like, man, this guy is authentic. Man, this guy has some depth to him. And towards the end of that, I sent Lindsay a text message and I looked at this this week and I saw it October 13th. It was before our meeting was over. I was like, hey, we need to have a talk about Chris Campbell. And she goes, oh, yeah, me and Aaron had a discussion about him this week. We want to put him on the search committee to look for your replacement. And I was like, no, we need to talk about him being my replacement. <laughs> um, and then just to see the Spirit move, and that be what the church chooses and the Spirit's choice. Um, I have cried over Chris. I have had Sundays where I watch him walk in the back, we, and we shake hands. He walks off, and I just cry over him. Um, I cried over him in front of him at the casual pint, <laughs> um, 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 and I just couldn't be happier for Chris and Hannah. You guys got a good group of people to love and pastor, and um, you guys have got a good one in Chris, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, so as we get started today, I'm going to let you know the structure. The structure today is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have two say-laws, because we love it around here. We're going to have a say-law. Kind of at the end of the beginning, kind of at the end of the intro, and then we're gonna have one at the end. And so let's just work with me here today, guys. We're going on a journey. We're just gonna try some things out today. Don't be scared. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything I haven't ever asked you to do. And for some of you, that's like, well, you've asked me to do very uncomfortable things before. Well, just embrace it today, guys. We're going on a journey together. But um, as we get started today, and as I was praying about this, um, the discussion we're gonna talk about is part of the Holy Spirit and part of our Empowered series, but is does God still heal today? But before we jump into that, I think we need to do just a tad bit more work, and this is what I felt like the Spirit wanted us to talk about. Because I think when people think, if you've been around here a long time, if you've heard me talk, I will always mention something about the Spirit. Um, I really pressed hard for us to enter into the work and try to become uh, aware of the Spirit's presence in our church and in our own lives and in ourselves. And I think I've gotten a rap. I heard Aaron joke about me on the podcast last week. I still listen, so if you guys say anything about me, (laughs) I hear, okay? But uh, Aaron started out a sermon and was like, well, well, I'm um, Chad, you know, he's the Holy Spirit's best friend, and I heard, "Ha ha, 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 ha." And, um, <laughs> right, um, and I cried, "No. Um, no." And so basically I hear that, and I think there's uh, this reputation that I don't struggle. I think there's this reputation or this uh, realization that I don't still sometime get disillusioned in my faith. Especially with the person and work of the Spirit. Uh, Tim Mackey from the Bible Project says this. He says, and we have this qu- quote There is some layer, realm, dimension of reality that actually isn't perceivable by our senses. And this dimension of reality is not just that it is real, even though you can't perceive it, it's actually more real than what we think is real. And this dimension of reality is not a place or time, it's a person. And it's a person whose essence is outpouring, other-centered, life-giving energy and love and power. That's who the Holy Spirit is. In the church, the person of Jesus among believers is usually universally trusted, but the person and work of the Holy Spirit is hard for us to grasp and understand the universal church is confused about, about the person and work of the Spirit. Um, Todd Hunter, who is an Anglican bishop, he's actually over the church that uh, me and Christy are going to in Atlanta. Um, and understand this about Todd Hunter is he was Vineyard. He was the national director. He was the pastor of John Wimber's church, the person who founded the Vineyard. And he entered leading the Vineyard in a really tough time uh, where Holy Spirit stuff was crazy he wasn't particularly gifted in big, charismatic ways, but he has this awesome teaching gift. So he had trouble and having to deal with all the stuff that was going on at that time in the vineyard, and then he left. And this is him saying this quote. And so I want you to understand where this quote is coming from. He says, this confusion we have about the Holy Spirit, this is what leads to prejudices, And if you think about the world, confusion between races and the things that disunite us, it's because there's confusion, and then we think of people wrongly, and then prejudice happens, and he's saying, this is what happens towards the work of the Spirit. He says, suppose you are a person who doesn't really know how the ministry of the Spirit works outside of the hokey stories you have heard about Charismatics and Pentecostals. In that case, you will say, I don't want to be one of those crazy people. So then you are left with kind of a benign neglect of a part of the person and work of the Spirit. And to those people, I would in a friendly and loving way say that you should consider that the Holy Spirit is equally hurt and grieved by being ignored as he is excess in his name. He's easily grieved and offended at being ignored ...than excess in his name. Oftentimes we treat the Spirit as a consumer choice. It's, well, I go to the Holy Spirit Church... ...or I go to the Bible Church... ...and what we're saying is, honestly... ...that the third person of this Trinity... ...God himself is optional. And a part of his ministry is optional. And that, guys, is also my continual struggle. Um, I wasn't raised in the church... ...but I entered the church and started following Jesus... And what they told me, that the gifts and the power ministry of the Spirit were not for today. The they pointed out Benny Hinn. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He takes his coat, swings it, and people fall down. Me and, me and Lindsay have a friend. I kind of made a joke about uh, uh, were people slain in the Spirit whenever you preach at this church. And he sent us a video, If You Mean This. And what they did is they replaced the coat of Benny Hinn with a lifesaver. And every time he swung it, people, it goes, and people would fall down. It was hilarious. I wish I would have put it up on there, man. Missed opportunity, my bad. Um, But typically, that's the example they gave me. And I was like, oh, I do not want to be that. Um, But over a few years of reading the Scripture, um, I just couldn't believe that the gifts of the Spirit stopped. So I left the church I was at, fully believing in the gifts and power of the Spirit that I had never once experienced before. Before. I had no experience. And because of what I was taught, I feared I was becoming apostate. I feared I was being deceived because I told this doesn't happen today. And I hadn't experienced it. A lot of fear was ingrained in me towards the, toward the work of the Spirit. So if that's where you are today, I'm, you're in a good place. I fully understand that. Then I landed at the vineyard and started praying for people, and some were healed. I started listening to the Spirit for people before me, and God would speak to me in real time and give me a word that would hit them right where they're at. Um, I got prayed for in Lindsay's parents' living room by the Holy Spirit guy in the vineyard, and my whole body started to shake, and my legs were just doing this, but really faster. And the power and presence of God was coming upon me, and since then, when His presence shows up, I still start to sink. Um... Yet, I still struggle to believe that the person whose essence is outpouring, other-centered, life-giving energy and love and power is in me and sometimes real. I am in, if you want to know how uh, Elena's been going, well, I'll tell you, it's been a season of repentance um, of my unbelief towards the work of the Spirit in my life. In preparing for this message, though, Jesus was like, you're not the only one. And so this is our first Saila time. So if you're listening to me and you're like, Chad, I'm not sure that's real, you're in a good place. If you're like, no, I believe that's weird, but I've seen and been hurt by the excess, well, then you're in a good place. I have to. Believe me, I judge the excess, and then Jesus move in and be like, I can still move in. And I'm like, well, I'm a judgmental person. Um, He has humbled me many of times. He's shown me that sometimes ministry in the Spirit is about our temperament, right? People have different temperaments in this room. We have different brokenness. And so when the Spirit comes, we react in different ways than other people, and that I should be more curious instead of judgmental. And so, repentance, guys, and I want to say this it isn't this, you're doing wrong, now do right. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what he was saying is, no, repent of the way you thought, and now look towards the kingdom, because there's this new reality that is invisible, but you can't yet perceive. And grow in it, get to know it more. If that's you, then I would say, we're just going to take a moment, and what I think repentance in this moment looks like is, Jesus, I don't know this is real, and you may be here and be like, I don't believe in Jesus, and I don't believe in this. What's it going to hurt to say, Jesus, would you show me more of your kingdom? If this is real, would you show me? And so that's what I want to invite us to do. Um, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask the Spirit to come, and then I'm going to let you pray to Jesus however you feel led if it's Jesus, I believe in this, but I've become disillusioned, would you bring back the passion in my heart to walk with your spirit? Then it's also that. Um, So I'm just gonna ask him to come. I'm gonna give us a moment and then I'm gonna end us in prayer and then we're gonna jump into the sermon today. Does that sound good? Okay. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Father, I thank you for your presence that you're always leading us and guiding us into more of you, that you're leading and guiding us into more of your kingdom. And so, Father, I pray that you would show me more of your kingdom than I've known before. And I pray for us as a community, God, that you would show up and show us the kingdom in ways that may offend our mind, but get to our heart. That, Father, that our prejudice would slip away and God, I pray that you would do this in your kindness and your mercy and your love towards us as a community. And in Jesus' name, we pray. All right, so how many of you have ever heard, and I'm not talking about having me up here talking about the kingdom and throwing healing in like I do, but how many of you have ever heard just a straight message on healing? Hmm, a few of us. Um, let me tell you how many sermons I've given on it that was just a straight message of healing. Zero. <laughs> Um, So this is even an experience for me. I've never given it from a stage, but I'm excited to. And let me say this. I can't answer every question you have. I don't have that much time. We could be here all day. And some of the stuff I'm going to say won't answer all the questions you have. You may even leave here today having to be like, hey, I've got more questions. Well, if you want to meet, I'm here till Tuesday morning. Uh, But after that, you guys got great pastors, and they know this stuff up and down. Um, so and so basically go and talk to them. But I love the scripture that Lindsay read this morning because I love stories that have failure. I don't know about you, but I resonate with stories of failure more than I do stories of success because I have experienced failure a lot more than I have success, especially when praying for healing. I also think that the stories of failure in the Bible teach us more than the stories of success. Um, They help us wrestle with the topic at hand, and and in today's scripture, Jesus is coming off the mountain with Peter, James, and John. This is right after the transfiguration moment on the mountain, and the situation that they are approaching that Jesus is coming to, and the words of the great cultural icon, Lindsay Mizell, is bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. (laughs) A man has brought his son who is suffering, in his own words, speaking to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And so the first thing I want to deal with is failure when praying for the sick. What do we do with that? What do you think Jesus' disciples did with that? Um, here we have the disciples who Jesus empowered and sent out to heal a few chapters before in Matthew 10:1, where it says, summoning, summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. This wasn't their first time doing this. And we have no known story of their failure before this time. These guys were used to praying for the sick. sick. And we see in the story in Matthew 17, they couldn't. And guys, if you are going to pray for the sick, um, I had if you are going to pray for a sick. Let me say this real quick. Um, Do you think we're called to fulfill the great commission? I would say we all think we're make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father. And Jesus says, teach them all the things I taught you. What did Jesus teach them to do? Heal the sick. If you go to the commission in Mark's words, Mark says this in the gospel of Mark, he says, "And those that believe in my name will lay hands on the sick, and they will be healed." And so I said, "If you are going to pray for the sick, you probably should. Like that's the obedient thing to do, and following Jesus. Like He's called us and empowered us to do this. And if and when you do this, guys, uh, let me tell you, it's a ministry of grief and pain. You are invited into suffering." Many times in scripture, right before Jesus heals someone, it says he looked on them and had compassion. And that compassion was motive, motivated by his grief for the suffering he saw before him. I wish I could tell you that most people I pray for were healed, but that would be untrue. I wish I could tell you that they stayed healed. Um, But I've seen people healed at the moment and the pain come back a year later. I've seen people healed in the moment and they wake up the next day and it's back again. And what we do in these bouts of failure, specifically in the church, is we start rationalizing based upon our experience. And what we do at that point is we create awful doctrine based upon our experience. Uh, We create theology around our experience of failure that deviates from Scripture. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced any of this bad theology, but when I was sick for a year back in 2017 and doctors could not find out what was wrong, I had people pray for me. And one of the people praying for me in, in that group was whispering to other people that I was sick because of sin. I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys, but they were whispering that behind my back. And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel as if they're setting up a theology that I'm not getting healed because of my sin, so God is punishing me. And that's just, um, that's a lie from hell. To keep us away from the nature of a God who before he healed someone, he never asked them to repent. You can't find one story where Jesus did that. Or before Jesus uh, prayed for Someone he um, never asked him the first to repent, but also he never really dealt with sin. He just saw the person in their sickness and grief and healed them. Or we lean entirely on God's sovereignty and say, God's healed some but not others. So in your case, he's not willing. And so as if God is dangling healing over our heads and saying, I will for you, Daniel, but I won't for you, Lindsay. And we do that based upon our experience because we think if God is sovereign, well, he'd heal everyone. But we see Jesus tell us to pray for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus t- tells us to pray that prayer because there are some places where his will isn't being done on earth as it is in heaven. There are some places where people don't experience relationship with Jesus. Injustices can't have justice brought to it. And some people just are not healed. And so we create doctrine that says, God's not willing, but for this special person, I am. And that's hurtful. And we don't see that in the story today. And I think that's the temptation the the disciples had. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he says, bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From that moment, the boy was made well. So the disciples weren't able to heal the boy. Why? But then Jesus shows up, and they could have thought, well, it's not God's will to heal, but Jesus shows up and says, no, it's my very nature to do just this. He left no doubt about that. And the one time we have a moment in which Jesus is, and the one time where we have failure on the disciples' part, And so the second point, and guys, this is the only sure thing I have, that when I pray for people or when I partner with God, the one sure thing you need to know about healing ministry is that it is God's nature and character to heal. We see it in the story. While there may have been human failure, Jesus left no doubt about his character towards healing we know this nature of God all throughout the Bible. The first mention is Exodus 15, 7, where God says, I am the Lord who heals you. And that's an identity statement, Jehovah Rapha. It's in his, it's his very nature and identity. God wants us to thrive and experience wholeness, not just when we die and get to heaven, but now. The name of Jesus means Savior, and the Greek word for Savior is sozo, and that's an interesting word because it has a dual meaning. It means God saves, but it also means that God heals. And in the Old Testament narrative about the coming Messiah, if you look in Isaiah 53, for instance, it talks about the Savior who carried our sicknesses and our pains, and he carried our iniquities. We have We have Psalm 103 that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, bless the Lord, forget not all his benefits, the one who heals all your diseases and the one who forgives all your sin. And what we see is salvation and healing linked together all throughout the Old Testament narrative about the Messiah. We see it in the person of Jesus in the New Testament. And typically what I get when I talk to people about this it's, well, Jesus didn't heal everyone in the New Testament, and you're exactly right. But show me a story where he didn't heal anyone who came to him. He didn't. I mean, he tried one time. Let's be fair. He did try. He told the Samaritan woman who brought her daughter, he brought her daughter to be healed. And, and Jesus says, uh, no, it's not time. So it wasn't like, no, I won't do it. It's like, hey, it's just not time. I came for the people of Israel. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. And then she comes up with this thing. And once she says, but but master, even the dogs get crumbs from the master's table. And then Jesus is just like, "Huh, oh, woman, your faith is great. Like he's a sucker almost. He's a pushover. Right? he's like, ah, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, the daughter was healed. So the one time he tried to say no, he's like, nah, I'm not going to. (laughs) And, And he just gives, he makes the daughter well. Others say, well, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? Um, he asked God three times for it to be taken away, but God didn't do it. Um, can I say there's a, lot of theology, there's a lot of theology around this? We don't have time to get into it, but I tend to believe that was persecution that Paul was experiencing from the Jewish people. Um, and the phrase thorn, thorn in the flesh can kind of be like this. Um, when I worked here, Lindsay sometimes, as my boss, was a thorn in my side. <laughs> sometimes a pain in my butt. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> was he literally a pain in my butt? no. Was he literally a thorn in my side? No. But it was a problem. And I don't know about you. I would want persecution taken away from me. I would want to be delivered out of that. And so we have to understand what Paul's talking about. And so I say this to you. It's God's nature to heal. We see it in the lives of his disciples after his ascension to heaven. We have seen it all throughout the last 2,000 histories of the church. Let me say this, you have to hide your head under a rock to not hear the testimonies of the last 2,000 years in the church. And not only that, you have to deny the testimonies that have happened in this room. Um, Let me give you one of my least faith stories I've ever had. Super Bowl party, right, John Green, Coming for you, man. Um, but um, basically, we're at this Super Bowl party. Um, we just got done halftime, so listening to uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Mary J. Blige and 50 Cent and m M&M. I don't know how holy that is, but it's not the prime situation for someone to be healed. I don't know about you, um, but I'm not really working with the kingdom. Um, and even to take a step further on that, I accidentally watched uh, one of our attendees group kids take a sip of gin and juice. Um, I thought the adult had sent his kid in to get him a drink, and I'm watching him, and I'm like, oh, that's a bold move. And he turns around and looks at me, sip. And I'm like, oh, buddy. And he's like, that's not water. And I was like, I know. Jesus, forgive me. <laughs> um, um, I just can't believe what, I didn't know what was going on. Um, so I, I don't know, that's not the right time that someone will get healed. And you know, CrossFit, there you go, bingo card. I said it. Um, but John Green was over there complaining, I'm not gonna do the open because my knee had surgery and you know, it hurts. So I'm not gonna do that. And out of pure sarcasm, and because I'll pray for anything that moves as I feel like I have the opportunity, I just go, in the name of Jesus, be healed. That was it. Then we left. Then he shows up to church on Sunday, he was like, hey, my knee hasn't hurt since you prayed for it. i like, oh, that's interesting, so we try back the next month. Does it still hurt? No. Does it still hurt? No. Does it hurt now again? Nope, still doesn't hurt. When? And it had caused you pain when you worked, like all the time and we see the kingdom of God break through. I remember when our staff prayed for a woman who had cancer, and she wanted to go for a second opinion. The cancer has spread from here to all over her body. So we as a staff, this was early on in my time in the vineyard, we just really got to praying. She went for that second opinion, and they found no cancer. I remember when we as a staff, specifically when Sam, we we were praying for one of our uh, staff members for his back to be healed, and we're all praying, just trying to do stuff, and then and then Sam's like, hey, I think I have a word from the Lord, and he starts to pray, and I, forget, I think he just places his hand in a different place. I don't know. And then we feel his back start to pop. Do you remember that, Sam? And he could feel his back start to pop and be healed. So, we, so it happens in this room. To finish, let me say, I don't know why everyone's not healed. We could talk about that forever. But Jesus told us to pray in Matthew six ten, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And he told us to pray that because there are some places where his will is just not being done on the earth. And in a weird scheme, he asked you and I to partner with him in that. Uh, when we hear Jesus say, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them that I don't have enough faith, it's a bad translation. It's a better translation would be unbelief. And if you study out the word unbelief, it's what you don't see. What you don't see. Let me read the Tim Mackey quote from earlier. There is some layer, realm, dimension of reality that actually isn't perceivable by our senses. There is dimension of reality. And this dimension of reality, it's not just that it is real, even though you can't perceive it. It's actually more real than what we think is real. And this dimension of reality is not a place or time. It's a person. It's a person whose essence is outpouring, other-centered, life-giving energy and love and power. That's why when we meet in here every week, we just don't listen to a sermon and we just don't sing sing songs, that that invisible, life-giving, other-centered power is amongst us, working in our hearts and working amongst us. And so, as we end today, the invitation is just do you have something that needs to be healed? Um, when me and Christy were talking about this this week, she went to San Diego. She says, Hi, everyone. She misses you. She loves you. She's eating great seafood tacos right now. Um, <laughs> but we just got done talking about this, and she read in Luke 5 12 and 13. This verse, it says, One day in one of the villages, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and said, If you want to, you can cleanse me. Jesus put out his hand, touched him, and said, I want to. Be clean. Then and there, his skin was smooth. The leprosy was gone. And so, as we go into this time, and I say, Do you need anything to be healed? I've seen anything from a headache to cancer. And you don't have to go back from prayer. God can meet you in your seat. And you don't have to go back. You can wait till the service is over. I'll be here all day if you want prayer, guys. I will stay in this room till 7 o'clock tonight, and we'll just start it again at Praise and worship of Night. So I ask that of you. Is there anything out of order in your body you need put in order? And here's the deal. I don't know why everyone's not healed, but John Wimber has this quote in which he said, I'd rather lay hands on a 100 people and have only one healed than to lay hands on nobody and have nobody healed. In James 5, James actually says, this is actually a liturgical ordinance of the church. He says, is there any sick among you? Call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint your head with oil. And when they pray the prayer of faith, you'll be healed. So, So James actually said, this is a ministry of the church. And so we... We show up and we try, right? God, and the best person I've ever had that I've ever prayed for was my friend Justin Cook. He showed up one night to group and he says, Chad, here's the deal, my knee hurts. I don't care if I'm not here or not, but just pray for it and let's see what happens. And I was like, now that's a man who can't be offended and I love it. Um, And I think he got a partial healing, but then it came back. I can't explain that. We can talk about that for hours, or no, it still doesn't hurt? No, it's oh, it's the other name. <laughs> Going for it today, buddy. <laughs> so see, God's power and presence in amongst us. And what I always envisioned is us being a church is a church that, number one, will pray for people that will grieve with them with where they're at and love them because they're not healed. Is because you don't have enough faith. If it's anything, it's like, on my end, I probably need to do some more work. I need to align my life with the kingdom. But we know Jesus said his kingdom come, and so we take risks. We try. And so let me tell you, around here, we privilege your try. We know how vulnerable this issue is, and to take a chance for healing, I understand your pastors understand. Can I say to people who's going to be back there who's praying for you, understand the risks that is? Because I've seen people take risks and they've been hurt by this before and they weren't healed. And I know how crushing that is. But here's the deal I know I, the guy I love, Lindsay, mentioned him in a sermon that I also listened to, named Jordan Sane, called him my celebrity crush. Um, he had a back issue and he goes, I got prayed for 82 times. He was like, I counted. And the 82 time, 82nd time. And then sometimes people just aren't healed. And we wrestle and we grieve with that. I don't know about you, but my wife's in the medical field and she, and she walks with people. She walks with people who hope they come in for a chance at healing and she sees it doesn't happen. The healing ministry is the same with Jesus. And it's not because God's not willing. No, his nature, he Wants to. And I'm not going to tell you he will. I just know that he wants to. And so we try to partner with him, allow the kingdom to flow to us into you to see the kingdom come. God heals, we don't. We're just the instrument and we partner with him. And some of you probably won't even have to leave your seat. And so this is what I'm going to do. You know, if anything's wrong with you, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And then Lindsay's going to come up and give communion but we'll have people in the back that are ready to pray for you. And if someone's being, and there's not anyone back there to pray for you, just wait or wait after the service or come tonight, right? That's a Holy Spirit um, area in which we can just learn together. And guys, if you wanna learn how to pray for the sick, pray for people in your small groups. Pray for people in your family. Um, That's where we learn to do the stuff, trial and error. And so let me pray. And I want to ask you: If you want to receive, you have to do this. If you stick out your hands, there's nothing magical about that. But that's just a posture of receiving. And I'm just going to pray a prayer blessing over us. And while the worship music is going on, just feel out. If you if you can feel pain, just feel it out and see if anything changes. And so let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come into this room. We ask that your healing presence would come. God, I pray for back pain in the room. Jesus, I pray that right now that you would go and touch people's backs. Father, I pray that, specifically, Father, that you would go and just fill people with your love. That, Father, that they would have a supernatural infilling of your love. And, Father, Holy Spirit, we ask right now that your healing presence would come amongst us. Whether it's our emotions, whether it's how we feel about even this practice we're doing, or whether it's physically, Jesus, we're just a people open and we ask that you would show us more of your kingdom. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.